for joining us once again on another episode of Dice Advice. We are a tabletop and RPG advice podcast where we take your questions, quandaries, tales of valor and debauchery, and we digest them and bring them back to you. As always, I'm joined by my good friends. Harry the Handsome. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm John the Mundane. Salsa Saul. Brad the Broad. Wow, Jesus Christ. And I'm uh, Juicy Jesse. Juicy J. I like that. (laughs) Juicy J, that's what we call him. (laughs) That's what they called him in prison. Consummate professionals. All right, guys, let's let's jump right in. Uh, We got actually one from, I believe, a listener for once. Listen to this. Uh, Hey, guys, Stan here. If I remember correctly, 5e was released in 2014, a good six years ago. When will the next guide be dropping? And what changes, if any, would you like to see? Love the pod. Don't forget to slather yourself in peanut butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stan. And uh, this goes out to everybody else. If you want to send in a question, comment, anything, we really could use your fodder. We want the show to be yours as much as it is ours. We're going to try to do right by you, Stan. Until they, we start making money, then it's going to be all ours. All ours. <laughs> so what do you guys think? How long is it until uh, we get the new official edition? And what do we want to see? Now, are we asking addition or a new, a whole new player's handbook, a continuation of the first? I think he had an addition. I'm really thinking he's thinking that. I, I'm I'm leaning towards addition because it, basically this kind of came in right about the same time they decided they were going to do that Wild Mount book. So I don't think he's you know kind of counting that type of thing either. That's true. So and, can I go conspiracy theorist on this? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let me Absolutely. put my tinfoil hat on. Absolutely. <laughs> I never let take me, mine off. So let me turn off my microwave real quick. <laughs> I, I put my cell phone in my microwave. what so i got into dungeon dragons on the third edition that's what i taught you and harry how to play Mm -hmm. i loved it i currently have all the volumes they released god i don't know how i got uh, over 60 books uh, supplements they moved on to fourth edition because they they just convoluted the rules so much with the all these extra supplements and they i think they kind of tapped out third edition and this is just my opinion, but I think fourth edition was a huge flop for Wizards of the Coast. It's not. I wouldn't say it's a hot take. I think it's kind of understood. Was that Pathfinder? No. Was, that's where my conspiracy theory comes in right there. Mm. So Pathfinder came out um, and continued the I. It was a spiritual predecessor to 3.5, I would say. This is, again, my personal take on it. And so as Pathfinder grew in popularity, and again, I play Pathfinder, love Pathfinder, love 3.5, love 5th edition. I'm sorry, 4th edition is like the redhead stepson of this family. <laughs> Constantly anymore. You but, can fuck right off if you like. <laughs> actually, I'm coming in with a hot take. I actually enjoyed 4th fourth, fourth edition, but only for what it was. I enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, is aspects of it it's not my favorite version of dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. but i i you know i did actively play it um that's actually i played the most amount of games uh in my not career but whatever you want to call what we do um <laughs> with fourth edition more so i mean 
fifth edition's catching up at this point, but I did spend a, a long time. But continue, please. So, conspiracy theory, Pathfinder was essentially seizing all the money in the market, and Wizard Coast couldn't handle that. They took a lot of inspiration from 4th edition and from what Pathfinder rolled out, more along the lines of the, of the Bard being a more powerful character. I really do feel they got that from Pathfinder. But they released their new edition in 2014 as a way to simplify the rules of 3rd edition and catch their devout you know, followers. I was one of those people who got caught by 5th edition because just because it had the name Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons and Dragons. Same. Same, same. I still support you know, Pathfinder. I still buy their modules, still play it. But now I play 5th and Pathfinder interchangeably. I don't think we'll see another edition until the market is threatened by a new catch-all game. That's actually a good lead into my like mostly uneducated take on this because I'm pretty much a baby of 3rd edition and then 5th, and that's pretty much it. Played maybe a couple sessions of Pathfinder with you, I think. My feeling on it is... I think that they're going to treat 5e almost like uh, Bethesda did with Skyrim, where they said they basically they're going to milk that they're going to milk that game. They're going to re-release it 700 times. I think it's going to ride the wave for as long as possible. Same thing as Ooh. Rockstar did with GTA 5 and GTA Online. They're going to ride that wave until it's not there anymore. Would you say you think it's like like the new standard almost? I think it's I think it's going to be for quite some time. I'm sorry to tell you, Stan, I don't think it's coming for a little bit. Uh, I'd actually um, I, I do agree. I do think that fifth edition is here to stay for a while. I'm actually I, the very first edition I played was second edition years and years ago and did a little bit of third. I'd actually have the, the uh, third, not three point five players handbook from when that came out. Honestly, I think I've played maybe one game of Pathfinder. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of fourth edition uh, and then I'll fifth and I, I they're going to ride this. I, there's, I don't really think there's been any major rumors as far as a new edition in the works. No uh, sourcing of talent because we, that did occur prior to fifth. I don't know. I think one thing I would like to see them do though, and uh, there will be hate for this uh, similar to what the fourth edition did do they had three separate handbooks uh that were you know they released new classes my issue with fifth edition is how samey uh, a lot of things are and i get you know they're trying to simplify this but there's there's just there's some differences between classes but it, i don't feel like it's enough sometimes hmm. i could feel you there um i, I think if, if they released three handbooks, you're saying they would have, let's just for argument's sake, they'd have fighter, cleric, and wizard in one, and then bard, rogue, and et cetera, et cetera, on and on? Well, I, I mean, uh, what I like all the classes that are out uh, now in, in player's handbook. And if they wanted to kind of unify any classes like the artificer that is in, I guess, the Eberron setting, pull that into a player's handbook, make that official, so your, your core and whatever other new classes that they want to introduce to kind of spice things up. Now that time's passed, they can kind of let the bloat, as, as much as I hate that word, happen. Let, let there be some <laughs> other stuff. The only problem I have with that is that's actually what um, kind of turned me off from D&D for several years between, you know, three and a half. Um, too too much material? To 5E. Like, fourth edition, I, I was a broke college student and I did not have the money to spend on buying a bunch of players handbooks to 
you know, there's like th- there was like three players' handbooks, and not even to mention whatever the dungeon um, master's hand, uh, book, dungeon master's guide, and the monster manuals and all that stuff. Like that's a lot of money for a broke college student to spend, and I didn't really that that's kind of what turned me off of it. So I, I just to play devil's advocate or what you're saying, Brad. I uh, I, I like what fifth edition did by condensing everything and giving you that this this one book that you know basically um you can you can run you can run wild just by buying this $25 book player's handbook and it's actually like for the longest time was a top selling um game book on amazon.com and just to uh kind of bring it back to the question a little bit i think mike merle senior researcher guy at D&D, he released a tweet last year sometimes. So this is probably old news, but still, I think still relevant. Uh, talking about how, how they're nowhere near 6th edition releasing it, but Z, the, the idea would be to have zero disruption to what's happening now. What we're already doing as players, just adding new toys, quote-unquote, to make the game better. So to the to Steve's question, I think... When we do see a sixth edition, it's it's not going to be any drastic change to what we're already doing because I think the current state of D and D and you know role playing tabletop role playing in general, people are really latching on to this edition, and I think more than they have so more so than they have in the past. It, maybe that's just anecdotal, but I you know you could probably find some pretty clear evidence of that. It's it, it, it's like this an emerging culture now that it's it's become more acceptable and and dnd is like cool and hip and tabletop role playing and their actual play podcasts everywhere like this is a big deal and we're in we're in the movement currently you know but i think that has a lot to do with 5e and the things that it changed about the way the game used to be played focusing on role playing and that sort of thing so i think they, they it, it it would probably be a mistake for wizards to uh, make a drastic change to that model, and 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 so if they do release a sixth edition, I I probably I would agree that it's just going to be expanding the universe, probably on the same line of uh, the the uh, wild mount and is that what it's called or, mm-hmm. or these uh, wild mount I think it is wild mount yeah these supplements that are coming out now I, mean, I think it's pretty much going to be like that. The, you know, just adding to the universe and the established, you know, settings and rules that we already have. Now, John, I, real quick, um, just because you did bring up how much uh, you like fifth edition and not, you know, that I don't, would you prefer, you know, when time comes to see a sixth edition or more something like a 5.5? It's a good question. Are you suggesting that these new edition, if a new edition comes, it's going to be like a, a revamp? Yeah, like if it, if we're calling something a fifth edition, it would be a, a full reworking similar to how, you know, 3.5 went to four completely different system. Uh, yeah. Now, fifth edition did really kind of um, unify and conversion between older systems outside of fourth um, is pretty easy. Um, I would say. 5.5 would maybe take some mechanics and change them or improve on them in some way, but still keep the core system the same. Yeah, I like that idea, honestly, because, you know, on the forums and in the community, like people are tearing uh, 
holes in the player's handbook left and right every day and saying and trying to interpret the rules and you know they have to tweet <laughs> answers you know, yeah. the, the wizards writers and stuff can you give us like a definitive yep. answer on how this mechanic works so i think in some levels it, you know that a 5.5 might be able to clarify a lot of that stuff and give us you know five or eight more years <laughs> before yeah. a sixth edition I kind of feel that way too. And I kind of have like a, a 5.5, at least from a branding perspective would make more sense to me. And it would kind of galvanize some of those things that are like, have been established in these few years of it, of 5.5. And this is the official way we want you to run five. I, I kind of have a love hate relationship with like your point in general. I agree with it, but I, I I'm a fifth edition fanboy. I love it. Like I, I, it, it took a long time. I took a long time off of playing altogether. And this system was really easy to jump back into with both feet. I'm not married to it. If something else comes out, I'll try it for sure. And like, if uh, somebody wants to run a Pathfinder game, or just for example, we've been trying messing around with lasers and feelings, like other systems altogether, I'm into. But I am a fifth edition fanboy, self, you know, admitted. But I also, at the same time, I kind of hate this like DLC almost vibe to that, where I don't want to see, I don't want to see them resell me the same shit. And releasing just kind of supplements yes! and stuff. Yeah, That's don't exactly. don't don't sell me the other half of my sandwich. I, it, while I'm still chewing on the first half. Well, no, that's I think that's kind right. of what fourth edition did. I mean, if I, I again, I didn't really play it, and I wasn't. Well, at least that, that, that at involved, least that other but... half of the sandwich tasted different. That, at least it was a you know. <laughs> yeah, I will <laughs> exactly. add uh, fourth edition. One big thing that allowed them to do, I would say, so many classes is a completely different spellcasting system. Um, where three, three, it wasn't spell slots, right? Yeah. Well, it was, um, it wasn't Venetian. Uh, it's for it's Venetian spellcasting where there's this giant list of this is every spell ever. And this is what classes can cast. What each class had, whether it was powers or spells, each class had their own unique thing. Right. So that allowed for a lot of different classes where that something like that can't really happen with fifth edition. Um, and one thing to add to it, one thing that I think ultimately also made fourth edition a playable edition uh, was the online character builder, because that's all I could build a character with it. Now, if you ask me now to go build a fourth edition character that that I'm pretty sure is not available anymore. As soon as I stopped you know, having access to that, I stopped playing fourth edition. Uh, see, I never used that. I only made fifth fourth edition characters um, on paper. Was it that complicated? Yes, with as many options and trap uh, things that you could choose, I would say yes. So I actually disagree with you, Brad, on that. Like I've come to I feel like people don't push their creativity enough in in, in Dungeons and Dragons. Like I have this is just my personal vendetta against rule lawyers. <laughs> I apologize. That's okay. I, I I've been uh, I've been privy. Nobody to this. here is a rules lawyer. <laughs> nobody, I know. I've... Nobody here. So. <clears throat> Um, I was listening to uh, it was D and D and D and D Arky, um, and they had a really good uh, thing where they're talking about custom feats for campaigns, and I love the idea of custom feats. I love the idea of if instead of somebody multi-classing, I just go, "Hey, you you're not gonna have to multi-class. We created you a feat. You can take this, and now you can cast spells as if you're a wizard half your level or something like that." Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I just feel like people are just so scared of doing things because they're scared of uh, 
unbalancing their game, but it is a game. And if you give something to your players and they go, wow, this is really overpowering. It's making the game unfun. It's or unfair. I found that players tend to be very balanced. They tend to go, you know what? I like this, but it's too powerful. I'm not enjoying this. Or maybe not even use it. They won't utilize it to that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, my um, shit, I was going to I was going to say we should come back to the kind of full circle it because the other part of it was what is the what would we like to see um, in the new edition? And I think I, I as a fanboy, I would like to see mostly a core of like a 5e role play heavy type setup. But what type of stuff would you guys who played fourth and really got into third and all that stuff? What would you like to see carried forward into a new edition where they to release one soon? Personally, more dragons, <laughs> more dragons, less dungeons. You actually said nothing. I like that. I, I said, no, look, uh, if you're going to give me a new edition, give me a new edition. Gotcha. I, I, I commend fourth edition for trying something new. I didn't enjoy it, but like Brad said, he liked it. Yep. And it is definitely different than third and fifth. Third and fifth are eerily similar except for they're very, you know, one is, it's just kind of condensed. It's like, we're not going to give you 100 different feats, we're only going to give you 12. Or 100 different skills, you're only going to get this, these core ones, and you're going to be either, you're, you can do them or you can't. So it's heavily simplified third edition. Yeah. I liked it, I enjoyed it, but if you're going to give me a new edition, give me a new edition. I got it. And kind of a piss or get off the pot. But it's like you were saying earlier, Jesse, it's like, I don't want to go to the movie theater and see Terminator 27. Some people do, but personally, I don't. I'd rather see a brand new like, avatar for the first time, like something that's going to shock and awe you versus something you've already seen that they're going to rerun over and over again. I'd rather, like Saul said, give me something brand new and fail. Try and fail versus and be unique and original versus building off of what you already have. I like what you guys were saying earlier about a 5.5. I think if they fine-tuned 5 to make it a little more exciting, because it is so well streamlined and everything like that, um, I'd like to see, like Brad said earlier as well, about uh, character classes. I'd like to see some funky stuff, like maybe a fairy. You know, something just a little more out of the box. We're in the fantasy world. Let's get away from just humans, elves, and, and dwarves. Let's go a little, a little bit crazier. So if they meet us at the halfway point, 5.5, and they give us a little more variety, I wouldn't be upset with that. But um, also, if six does, when it does come out, if and when it does come out, I would, like Saul said, like to see something brand new. Don't, don't give me something I've already had. Give me something that I might not like, but I'd rather you took the chance to – you're not going to make everybody happy. But give take us some strange. Yeah. <laughs> no half variety. Spice of life. So I have actually a follow up question on this going from that fact that I went 3.5 to Pathfinder back to fifth edition after trying fourth edition. Why? What would your opinions be if Wizards of Coast just ran two editions at once? So they kept fifth edition going <laughs> when, and then released the sixth edition with a new uh, concept of, of role playing basically like saying if the fifth is not for you if you're not liking our uh, if you don't like our gta 5 go ahead and play our red dead redemption 2 kind of like they do with magic you know they have different tournament rules like depending on 
you know, you can go traditional, you can go extended, whatever. I don't remember all the terminology, but mm. is that, that's kind of what you're saying, right? Like, full yeah, like they could have kept fourth edition going after as they released fifth. That would be fine with me. And you mean continued support for fifth edition as in, in the sense of the community might still work. Yeah. Personally, I mean, anybody can play fourth edition now, but I mean, you, you, they would still need like what you're suggesting is having continued support and like more modules released and that kind of stuff specifically for the edition. Yeah. I, like I said, Pathfinder really made a lot of money because they catered to the die 20, uh, 3.5 crowd that wanted more and they made a lot of more money off of this, that money that wizard of coast just kind of gave up because they were okay. like, we want to go to a new edition. Hmm. What I personally would like to see, um, I actually would not like them to actively support two separate editions uh, outside of what they're doing now with selling PDF copies of old modules and things like that. I'd rather see something almost like a D20 modern take. If you're going to give me a, you know, support two different things, at least make them different enough that they feel like different games. Um, yeah. Do we I have to be to married to the D20 system? Like, is that, I mean, does, is that kind of what you're saying? I mean, I, uh, I'm a very open to other systems. I've played a ton of different systems. So if it was something completely different, not a problem to me personally, but I think for them, even just looking at it as a business model, keeping that core system of roll a, a D20 makes sense more to them than going something out of left field. Like you're rolling a, a D6 to decide everything now. Right. Comes with a six sided sponge and, whatever <laughs> yeah you gotta lick and guess the flavor and if you guess yeah. it, you succeed but i mean i was actually thinking about this as we were talking like the the idea of wizards of the coast basically being married to the d20 system for their for their games you know when gary gygax first created this thing it was all d6s you know what if what if the next edition or a simultaneous edition like you're saying brad completely bucks the d20 system altogether and and find something new like um uh what is the one that they play in um adventure zone what is that system that they use in the second season uh, monster of the week monster of the week but it, it, they use like the apocalypse um powered by the apocalypse yes, powered it. by the apocalypse right so it's 2d6s it's like um uh one to f one to five is a fail six to uh nine is like mixed success and a 10 to 12 is a success or whatever anyway that's a, like a really basic system that dnd could capitalize on i don't know maybe if they had the rights to it i guess if it's an open source kind point, of system at this point i feel like it's they're still too late. They're yeah. They're they're D twenty. They're D twenty till yeah. D twenty till the end. Wizards could like separate themselves from the D twenty system. I for a new I edition. don't believe it. I think there would be riots in the fields from. There would be revol <laughs> the just yeah. I mean, I got this fucking tattoo. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just I think they're too married to the D twenty. The whole roll a twenty, get a crit. Roll a one, you fail and suck at life. It's just too ingrained at this point to the culture itself and even building on what you were mentioning earlier. It's, you know, it is cool now. And everybody, even people who are just kind of tangent to 
uh, the whole culture and just kind of only know about it are not actively in it, they will still know, you know, oh, I got a crit and or rolled a D20 or something like that. I think you're right. But um, also to play into that, I kind of wish they would. I well, I do I prefer, mean, I like bell curves. I mean, this is getting a bit mathematics, but the, the D20 okay, right, is a, right, is a right, flat right. line. Before you start getting bringing open math market. into this. I was going to say open market, though, too. It, <laughs> it opens the door for, uh, who does Pathfinder? Is it Paizo? It opens the door mm-hmm. for, for yes. companies like that to step in and say, well, here's what we got. If they don't want to do it, we're going to do it. Right. And time will but tell. That's going to happen. That's going to happen regardless. I mean, we're, I think we're all kind of. Also, part of this is speculation into the economics of it all and the market. Absolutely. I agree. If Wizards went away from the D20 system for the new edition of D&D, they would probably lose a lot of money because people are used to the D20 system for Dungeons & Dragons. However, Dungeons & Dragons is not D20. Correct. I'm saying like I'm with you. Could the, could that could that alteration make it a better game? Could could they come out with something better by being innovative? I got gotcha. you. You know what I mean? I mean that's I what they that's I, that's how they've been making their money for years, being innovative, right? The Wizards of well, the Coast. Yeah, I agree with you actually. Because I mean, think about the Dragonlance campaigns. You guys probably didn't even hear about the fact that they were made by Wizards of Coast or even existed prior to us like started playing all Yeah. True, true, um, absolutely. And that being said, we they could possibly create a new system and not just have it carry their their Dungeons and Dragons name, but they could create a like you said a die twenty modern type of a system, Brad, and just call it something else. You know, um, diners and drive-ins. I would say alleys <laughs> and thugs, but okay, Al- alleys and thugs is fucking yeah, fantastic. Yeah, no, offices and bosses. Agree. Uh, as long as you, uh, ha- if it's offices and bosses, you there must be a montage uh, ability <laughs> where you take a baseball bat to a printer. That has to be <laughs> in the game. That's a little. That's a little tribute to Hello from the Magic Tavern. That's <laughs> podcast. Uh, props where they're due. Well, Stan, we we gave it our best shot, man. Uh, continue listening. <laughs> Thank you. Send us more, please. Send uh send your granny and your aunt and your sister and everybody <laughs> and look out for wizard of coast's new edition of alley and alleys and thugs dude alleys and thugs <laughs> is fucking fantastic i actually like that a lot hey, that's I'd, our I'd, ip now i'd buy the shit trademark audio trademark <laughs> yeah we got it that's us alleys and thugs we're gonna mail that to ourselves in an envelope <laughs> i mean you guys joke but i am actually really into game theory so he's looking that shit up right now all right let's move it along let's go to yeah. one by oliver Oliver asks, anyone have any combinations of abilities from classes that work great together? Uh, not like crazy combat, damaging, stacking, but just RP or mechanics things. For instance, I love using the Warlock's Invocation of Disguise Self at will with the Assassin's ability to make new identities. So that each new identity has its own face and also can basically be a faceless man. Anyone have other combos? And this is a little convoluted for me. I, I, don't, I don't seem to play this way so much but I, I think you guys are probably a little bit better minded at this i think it's interesting I, i'll, I'll well, jump in with the one that i know which is uh hagar's um trademark thing i don't want to spoil it but I, i'll make reference to it and let him talk about it but in our game uh that you'll get a little snippet of pretty soon uh he had he had a really cool combo that i thought was neat uh it might it might end up being patreon exclusive content that it's based in but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that was totally um it just, it felt, it was a combo. Um, uh, it's a, it's a 
casting as a tiefling, you get to cast darkness as a cantrip, and then you also have dark vision. Most people can't see at night, so you kind of get to jump on most characters. Um, and it, it's a real fun little combo. It's real. It just gives you advantage going into an opportunity. It's an opportunity uh, to take advantage, and it's a simple combo: darkness and dark vision. But it's something along those. You can expand on that and 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 find something that works for you. I I love it. I mean, it just uh, it, it's very exciting. And I want to try to. I think that's a great question because I want to find. You always want to put yourself in a position where you have the advantage and if you can find a way to help yourself to where the dm can only say like yeah you got him bro like there's no doubt in my mind that <laughs> you know you got him and it's like you're, you're setting yourself up for success so um do you guys have any combos that you like or anything like my darkness combo yeah. gets my rocks off and i'm trying not to abuse it <laughs> I, I loved it that's why yeah I, I had to jump right to it sorry if i stepped on your toes but i love that combo no no um, I actually uh, was really interested in this question because um, the character I play, Eldwin, kind of grew from this idea of multi-classing fighter and rogue. And I've got to give props to um, flutesloop.com. Is mm. they, they had this uh, really cool rogue fighter multi-class guide. And I mean, it's not necessarily going to break the game. It's not like min-maxing or whatever, but... Um, you know, sneak attack, rogue sneak attack is probably close to breaking the game. I mean, you know, if, if you have advantage on the attack roll or if you're allies within five feet of your target, like you get that extra 1d6, 2d6, 3d6, depending on what your level is. Um, but if you take a couple of classes in fighter, um, you, you know, you get your um, fighting style. Uh, I think level two, you get uh, action surge, which an extra attack. And then level three, you could choose an archetype. And they talk about like uh, going battle master and then p picking your maneuvers. And you can almost guarantee a sneak attack um, by using these superiority dice. And uh, I think that's a really cool way to um, capitalize on your rogue by getting getting some good skills, you know, Aelin's pretty much the face of the party. So got your good charisma and you're, you're kind of a skill monkey, but also you can really hold your own in battle and you can really cause damage. Cause I think that's really helpful in our um, party, you know, because being able to cause damage and, and defend yourself with for a longest time, we were playing with three characters. I mean, I think that that was really important. And that really helped us through a lot of, um, really a lot did. of those fights being able, me as a rogue, not just sneaking around and like shanking people in the dark, but also like dealing some pretty good damage. And it kind of shapes your character too, not to go into a different tangent, but it kind of shaped the way you're playing him and the way that he developed into more of a, not necessarily a frontline guy, but like he's able to be, a, he's able to be front and center. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of fitting too that that you really the the process that you're talking about is opening doors for yourself as a rogue to for those opportunities. Um, I don't know. It's it's nice. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, just and and Sal and I worked this out from backstory and everything. I mean, the fact that he's a criminal and how he was raised in the streets and all that stuff kind of gives you the 
it, it lends itself to you know building the character technically as a, a multi-class fighter and rogue um but like you're saying you know i i can go from sneaking uh thieving sleight of hand um and then i could go like back row uh, ranged attacks and i can get up in the uh in the fray doing melee stuff i mean to me I, I, we've i've played this character for years now but like i think fighter rogue it, it's a really good combo and again flute salute is that the website yeah flute has that really cool character guide Either basing in a fighter or basing in a rogue, you can go either way. I think that's a good combo. I mean, there's there's plenty of others too, but that's just one I wanted to highlight. I, I want to also clarify one thing for this multi-classing. If you're using that for optimizing and uh, utilizing that for your combos, is an optional rule. So you do need to make sure that multi-classing is allowed yeah. at your table. Fantastic, absolutely. And that's something I was going to say. Even if yeah. it's even if it's already been clear, I think the way that he approached it with you is the, the right way to do it. If it's mm-hmm. going to be any inkling of game breaking or just OP in general, work it out with them. Hey, this is how I plan to do it. Is that cool with you? Um, just make sure um, you're not being a thorn in your DM side. Unless I'm saying something that's a complete surprise to you. So <laughs> we should talk about it. Oh, there was a couple things. I was like, wait a minute, you're a fighter? What? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so there's obviously a couple that you know we can easily talk about. One of a couple that I enjoy, obviously, I, as a, I haven't been able to actually play as a player often with you guys, so that's a problem too. But um, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. there Patreon. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> ones that I want to try out are uh, two level dip of fighter, and then going into sorcerer. Uh, being able to do action surge with two spells just sounds amazing. That would be sick. Yeah also a cleric with the life domain and going into a bard with the college of lore college of lord with the bard life combo because you're going to be healing as a bard but you get that boost from the cleric the life domain where it's um you know you regain additional hit points equal to two plus the spells levels so you do that with you know healing voice you're you're just a great healer and then on top of that you get to pick up a couple really sick uh, spells with your uh, lore bard abilities. Um, there's one that I want to look up. You get me, I'll follow up with you. I was listening to another podcast, and this was just a sick combo I want to tell you guys about. Fantastic. Yeah, while you're, while you're looking for that, I, did, I, I would like to just add to, and I think this is important to remember, when you're multi-classing, you're, you're sacrificing your level. Uh, you're yep. you're going to be, even though say I'm a rogue four fighter two, I'm total level six and my companions are also level six. I'm not really at their level technically. Exactly. exactly. And, and if you I'm, play it out long enough, you're never getting that capstone. I'm never yeah. going to get to that t- level 20 rogue. Uh, you know, it, it let's, you know, in the ideal world where we actually play a campaign long enough that gets us to level 20, which probably rarely ever happens in the history of D and D like, <laughs> I'm not going to get there. And I'm every time I dip into fighter, I'm sacrificing my additional uh, D six of sneak attack, you know? So I, I, it's a, it's a, it's a balance and and you're giving up a little bit. Uh, You're sacrificing a little bit to get that 
extra couple of levels when you're multi-classing. So I think that really helps balance balance it out um, in gameplay. And that's the name of the game too. I think checks and balances and making sacrifices for other things is kind of a common thing. Absolutely. And I think also communication between players, DMs, and even other players is huge. So if there is something, even if it's official, that's causing issues at your table, it's time for that DM hammer to come down. I, I like that too. Bring it, yeah, bring it back down to earth because you could be having a ton of fun, but if you become a thorn in even another player's side, not just your DM, it's not going to be fun for them. And you could be that. Remember our going back to our previous companion. We'll continue to call him. Just taking other people's glory is not the way to go. Um, no. Nope. And- and to compound on the idea of combos, um, I think it also lends to itself the idea of picking a class and a race that complement each other as well. Yeah. You know, you're going with Fair. an elf, you know, you want to be an elf, don't be a barbarian. You know, uh, things, it seems real basic, but I, I, I also, I could see the beauty in contradicting yourself as in you're the one elf that went to war and said i like heavy armor you're not going to hold me back it'd be very original but at the same time you'd be setting yourself back a few steps but um complimenting your class and your and your race i think is, is a real basic step to getting ahead of course in this game Actually, to touch on that, uh, one thing, and this is even thrown back to the previous question, uh, that during play st- testing for 5th edition, uh, they played with the idea of, as far as uh, attribute bonuses when character creation occurs, um, half of it coming from your class and half of it coming from your race, which I actually kind of really liked. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would play, but I like it. Yeah, so I mean, if you're a fighter, you get a bonus to either strength or dex, and then whatever you're, uh, like a plus, but they did plus ones into, instead of typically plus twos. There was there was a time uh, in this campaign, you know, earlier, uh, I think our Patreon listeners will get a taste of that. <laughs> I, Coming at you, baby. I keep plugging it. The more we plug it, the more interested they'll be. It's the law of attraction. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an interesting time of our of our campaign. Where I think I had more spells than most as a barbarian tiefling, and um, I used charisma as my modifier and everything. And it was um, it was just interesting how much magic my character had, even though I was still dangerous. I was a threat with a melee weapon, but uh, I also had magic as an option in a world where magic was scarce to begin with. So um, I was a contradiction of of its own nature, but, um, there's always room for that odd, for that, you know, uh, that curveball to where it's like, you could, you could be a giant and still cast magic. Maybe you're not going to be great at it, but. So the spell I was talking about, Harry, going off of you, um, it's called sickening radiance spell from uh, Xanathar's guide, which is now officially banned from my table. So none of you get it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's devastating because the levels of exhaustion stack, and uh, if you're not, are you familiar with the exhaustion rules at all? Yeah, exhaustion is terrifying. I mean, it just adds on uh, disadvantage on pretty much everything. I think you you can die from it after a while. 
That's insane. It's a five turns. If you if it stacks for five turns, you're gone. It's KO. Alrighty, well, let's uh, let's keep on rolling because I think we've gone a little bit long winded like we tend to do. Thank you, Oliver. Uh, I'm sorry, I stole that one from Oliver. <laughs> hey, great question. Well, your check your checks in the mail, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, if you guys are cool with, it, I want to roll into um, our new segment. Uh, it's not new anymore, but our returning segment: homebrew items. Do they suck yeah. or are they rad? <laughs> this <I'll> one is. <laughs> this one's brought to us by Stephen. Uh, I'm getting these from the same uh, place we got the last one. I don't have that copyright inf- uh, information in front of me, but it's uh, it's Magwa's such and such. This item is called Gaze of Wrath. It's labeled as legendary. It's a potion. Uh, I am going to read it. I'm going to try to go quickly through it so we have some time to talk about it. Uh, backstory wise, the Gaze of Wrath, it is evident that no mortal crafted this potion. A small ancient marking is the only clue to who may have been the creator. The previous owner exhausted her life searching for the origin of this potion. Mechanically, upon consuming the potion, your non-dominant eye crystallizes and is rendered blind. You suffer a permanent minus two to perception and investigation skill checks, but gain the following ability, uh, which is called Ira Voltus. You may use an action to activate the power contained within your crystallized eye. Target any creature you can see within 30 feet and make an attack, which is... 1d20 plus your proficiency only. On a hit, the target takes 1d4 times player level elemental damage. Uh, element determined below, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, it's got one charge. Regain expended charges at dawn by rolling a 1d20. If you roll 16 or higher, you get your charge back. Uh, when you first take the potion, you roll 1d6 to determine the element. One's fire, two is lightning, three cold, four psychic, five acid, six radiant. Uh, oops, I'm sorry. Six is either radiant force or necrotic based on your alignment. And it requires a minimum of 13 intelligence. I guess if you drink it and you're not smart enough, nothing happens. Um, this item, I, I'll, I'll give my, my way in right away. I think it's rad. Um, it, it kind of comes back to one of those kind of cursed, uh, always going to be, you know, uh, abilities with consequences. The perception check thing is what's going to hurt you. I believe it was, uh, I went through it so fast, but the perception. Is it minus two? A permanent minus two to perception and investigation. Yeah, that negative two perception for the lifetime of your character, ouch. But the the caveat to that, I mean, the bonuses are juicy. I love it. I think it's very Um, rad indeed. Um. So, so I, I agree. I think it's rad. I mean, you're never going to get something that's super cool without consequences. It, it's just the name of the game. You got to have consequences in order to balance it out. But minus two to perception for the life of your character, it may suck, but hopefully you're with a party that of people that can see shit and, and perceive things. <laughs> but once you're like level six, level eight, you know, you're going to get an average of, what is that? I can't do math in my head. So one D, an average D4 is going to be three on uh, a roll, right? Even Yeah, even if it's only two. If it's only two, you're getting a hefty, hefty amounts. I mean, yeah. it's it's yeah. pretty diesel. I think it's rad. It might be OP in general for a table. Um, I think, you know, the DM would be the only one doling this out in the first place. So I think that, you know, as a DM caution, if you want to bring this to the table, I think it'd be super hard to find. Obviously, one person in the party gets it. Maybe you do a little bit of 
fudging to make sure you know which player that is. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I could see a lot of cool things happening. I might even do something else as far as negative. Maybe they suffer some type of uh, disadvantage on attacks on that side of their body. If you wanted to get as far into the hex map and stuff like that, if you wanted to get nitty gritty. Mm. And and I th- the other thing that I think is cool too, like when when you consume it, you have to roll a d6. You do not know what the element is going to be. Exactly. So, so, so you know, for your for the life of the character, you're going to be you know dealing this elemental damage that's going to be determined randomly. And I think that's pretty cool. So I actually think it's really weak. Hmm. For so, for a player or yeah, I mean think so. It? You drink it, right? You're going to get a die for plus your player level damage, right? Time, times your player level. Is it times? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's all plus. By. So you're yeah, looking I at... saw the same thing as well. I was thinking it was plus plus damage wise. Or plus, it was definitely weak. Yeah, yeah I was, okay, times, I saw, times, times is important. Well, so I would level 20, but yeah. So you go out <laughs> add to that, though, then just to kind of balance it out. I would give you resistance to that element and a weakness to a counter one. Okay. That's good. I think that's cool. I do think there is a problem with the two hit on it, though. Uh, to only mm-hmm. get proficiency, no spellcasting modifier. That's a huge hit in accuracy. <laughs> yeah, it is. So you think you think add the add your your relevant modifier and and your proficiency bonus. I would yeah. say I would say do that do that and or let them do it as a bonus action. Let them do the attack as a bonus action. Honestly, if this was, much. yeah, I mean, That's I think a powerful bonus. It is a yeah. powerful bonus. But if you but, don't let them add anything to the to hit, say one d twenty press plus or, proficiency okay, gotcha. as their bonus action, they can do this attack. Not and, but or. I got you. And you only get to do it one. It's one charge a day, I believe. I'm pulling one, one charge per day. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, like the and concept. That's, a, that's if it recharges. And you have a yeah, it's a pretty right. pretty hefty DC to make sure that you get you get it back too. So I, I don't that's know. It, it struck me as rad as soon as I read this one. I, I that's where I went. <laughs> that's what's squirrely to me. That what Saul just said is if it recharges. So yeah. I, I think if you're gonna take a negative two on perception for the rest of your character's life, I would like to have a little bit more of security that I'm going to be able to have the advantages. You're, the, the disadvantages are guaranteed for your character's lifetime. Touche. But, but your advantages are random roll of the die at the beginning of each new day. So that's the only thing that would make me draw back a little bit from being gun-ho about it. I, I, I think it's a wonderful... You could tweak. I think what's beautiful about it, it's so, it's so well, uh, well-rounded that you could tweak it to make it work for your table. But, yeah. um, oh, please. So I, again, that's, I like, I, I know Sizzle likes math. So let's talk math. No, oh, gosh. So <laughs> once, already zoned out my, my eyes. So are let's compare it to a cantrip that we all love and know. It's called Eldritch Blast. <laughs> okay. So if, uh, if Hagar took the feet, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Magic Initiate. Magic, Magic Initiate, Initiate yeah. and grabbed Eldritch Blast, right? So he'd be able to, on his turn, cast an Eldritch Blast that does 40 10 at level 20. Uh, that's 20. Oh, well, actually, it's multiple. Is it? it don't they cast well, multiple yeah. bolts? It's, yeah, it's four beams. So 40 10. So 
Uh, but the only caveat, I mean, only because we're speaking math, uh, is that each has its own to hit, right? Yes. So right. in your now average we're gonna damage, assume... that does affect it. Yeah, we're going to assume that it's it's going to hit, right? Because we're just going to make that assumption. Is that good? Please. For this exercise, with sure. Okay. So Hagar is going to do 20 points of damage out of that, right? All right. And he, and he can keep doing that all day long, right? Are you saying average of 20? Because just 40, yeah. 10, average say, 20. Six, 6 average each die roll. So 6, 12, 18, 24, actually. Yeah. So 24, he does 24 damage, which is, um, or he does the magical attack that he can do once per day, and it deals, what did that be, 40? Or would it be yeah. 50 damage? At max. level 20? At level 20. 60. So, so, yeah, 60 damage. Once. Per day. That's Not it. per rest. Yeah. Would, which is another interesting thing that I like to. That that's I, worth. It's worth mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. Because time can progress yeah. at any rate, but I not, mean, you know, per day. Uh, I think what it boils down to for me is I, I appreciate the concept of it. Do think it needs some reworking. And personally, I'd actually like to see a series of these. Um, this one seems it's more geared to uh, intelligence. Uh, something based more on charisma if with if it gave it like maybe a command type effect um, where you can order somebody to do something but weaken it down so it's not quite spell level maybe have it affect performance i wouldn't say is a good one but it could um but i'd actually like to see a series of these with some reworking i like that i like that idea a lot and steven you can expect our correspondence we'll uh <laughs> oh and just to cover our bases i, I i'm not sure if this is necessary but the the compendium it comes from, it was published by Magwa's Magic Compendium, copyright mm. 2018, Knights of Vestile. Mm. Just to play it safe. The uh, I, I like what you're saying, Brad, too, because this is this is re requires a minimum of 13 intelligence to work at all. And you're taking a negative two to perception, which is, I think, is a wisdom uh, skill, right? But also investigation, yep. which is intelligence. Yeah. So with this, and you're talking about maybe a series of these with different attributes. So would this maybe be cool for a wizard who uses intelligence um, for their spellcasting ability? And then maybe uh, have another potion modified to affect uh, charisma or, you know, yeah. Um, what is the druid spellcasting? Wisdom. I think they're wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, but giving them a uh, different ability based on their class, you know, but, but giving them the, the, the uh, consequence also that will affect them the greatest. Yeah. I, I mean, kinda, even, sorry, sorry. Go no, no, uh, my mind's kind of stupid. I, I was going <laughs> to <laughs> pineapple. <laughs> I was gonna say, I kind of like your guys' idea of making them a series of make, making it available to the player to decide if they want to take this. As soon as I read it, I kind of thought of it being a, a uh, tool for the DM to not not necessarily curse somebody, but give them something that they were not expecting or agreeing to. And it's kind of like they have to decide as they go, is this bad? Is this good? And when they start off their lower level, it doesn't seem like they're getting much benefit. And as they get stronger, that attack adds up. And yeah. Maybe, and the other maybe at the end it becomes you know a pivotal point. That's the that's that that sixty that sixty damage attack that was a freebie might be the you know a turning point somewhere. And the other thing too is like you're not gonna 
just by looking at this potion, you're not going to know. I don't think it's feasible and practical in the game that their character knows all the rules to this potion just by looking at it and holding it in their hands, right? They're going to have to yeah. do some sort of... Well, they're going to have to man. do something. They're going to have to ask uh, an, another NPC. They're going to have to do some research and figure out exactly what this does. Otherwise, they just, like, bottoms up, take this the potion to the face. <laughs> well, no, get, you know, for a rude awakening. There's a lot of 100%. players that would do that. <laughs> I, think, I think it'd be dope to find something like this, like in a treasure chest or a dungeon, but even myself in my own gameplay, I've come across, I think I scored like three potions or something like that once. And I was too, I was too precautious to take him. Like, I don't think I ever took him. I just was, I think somebody else took him down the line. They're like, Hey, give me one of those potions. But I was like, uh, like I don't want to risk my character's health taking this strange potion that's glowing right now. <laughs> and it, it could give you superpowers. It could grow you a, an extra arm. So it's like I, I love the surprise of what's in that vial. You're you're or playing an that extra game. Penis. So Ben, I want to do want to say this is not a freebie though. It's burning in action. Okay, I got you. Yeah, and that's fair. it's also very. You have to be able to see the creature, and it has to be within thirty feet, and you have to make an attack on it. So it is situational with, for yeah, sure. Yeah, with a low modifier amount so exactly at, at, i love so, this as a story piece too yes uh it would be great i mm. mean even can you imagine like an end you know uh, uh, whatever npc comes up to you hands you uh, a carved wooden whatever open you open it up and there's six vials sitting there with different looks and everything and it's your yeah. job to figure out what's going on that's a great thing and then you know say there's one for each attribute um, one for each party member <laughs> yeah. or that as well I, yeah i think to saul's point earlier too about eldritch blast and it's if you consider you're a sorcerer and you have a shit ton of magic getting a spell like this isn't exactly let's say you do somehow know what's in the jar you know what's inside the vial and it's like well this is what's going to happen if you take this sonny and if you already have a shit ton of magic you're not going to get your rocks off on this what's inside of this this vial this potion isn't going to do it for you but let's say your class is a thief or you're uh, a bard or a fighter or something and you don't really have magic spells and all of a sudden well now you have a new element of uh, your character now your character has a different angle as to which attack uh, you know enemies so I, I think i think in the right hands it could be exciting if if it came across the, someone who already had a shit ton of magic, I wouldn't be super excited to get it because you probably have four other spells that can do way more damage and don't subtract your perception. You can keep both yeah. your eyes. If if this was in a different edition, like say 3.5 or Pathfinder, it'd be eventually more powerful. With 5th edition, they made cantrips a lot more powerful with them evolving as you level up as a character. True, true. Um, Hagar, when you get your, when, as you level up your cantrips become stronger and you're not a wizard or sorcerer right so it's based off character level not wizard level not sorcerer level and so like i said with this being that it is very situational very low attack roll bonus i just don't see you're going to be you're going to take those penalties more often than you use it as a benefit i think uh or, i think we i yeah. think we might have 
I think in the short lifetime of this uh, segment, we've already come to our first uh, jury is out. I, I, I'd love to say it's rad. I think it does need a little retweaking. And I'm glad you guys were here to kind of talk me down from it. I was super hype on it, but I do see all your points. I think maybe I mean, I think we ride think that as, line between sucks and rad. <laughs> I mean, as it is, it's pretty decent. I think just like our last uh, last uh, item that we talked about, I mean, a, as it's written, it's a pretty decent item. I wouldn't mind having it in a campaign that I was playing. But I, I, I agree. I, it could use some reworking, but as it's written, I mean, props to Steven. I think he did a great job. And thank you again to Magwaz for producing that in general. I, I think that's a, such a cool service in general. I haven't used it myself because I didn't know it existed when I was writing my my uh, my world and all that. But you can go on there and put your homebrew item in there and basically choose art for it. And it lists it in a way that looks like it's just like in the player's handbook. It's really cool. Uh, it's a really cool thing. Oh, and that's Mag- cool. Yeah, so, Magwaz Magic Compendium. So, Jesse, I think we need to really, I know it's, rad or not we kind of got to figure out a good like system here can we give it a can we give it like i don't know give like, it a number give it a number yeah. system one to ten yeah let's do a, let's do a one to ten i think a one to ten is fair now, do we want to do one to ten swords yeah one to oh, ten oh, swords yeah. all right let's do it yeah all right jesse you lead us off how many swords does this thing get uh, okay originally i was gonna i i think just on first reading i would have gave it at least an eight I think you guys have talked me down a little bit from my hype train. I'm going to go with a six. Six swords. Um, I'd like to give it, uh, based on its potential, I would like to give it seven axes. <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. Oh, I'm going to do 6.5 daggers. All right. I'm going to do four spell books. Okay, a little harsh, a little harsh, but that's why you're here. We need that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm actually going to come in a little more hot. I'm going to go a three, 3.5 as it is, oh. not because I hate it. I actually dropping it down because I think it has potential, but it's not there. You're that one guy on Google reviews. Yes, that so I, I am. Whole I, so <laughs> <laughs> officially, officially, I am going to give it uh, 3.5 arrows. Okay. And I actually, you remind me more of a teacher who says, I'm going to mark you because I, I expect more from you, Steven. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel the worst? But it's going to inspire him. He's going to probably, he's either going to come up and, and make more better items or he'll write a song about how this guy ruined his, <laughs> told him he would never be shit. Uh, just, just, just as a reminder, that was uh, Jesse who gave it 3.5. <laughs> I, I really, I really his, like this uh, item. I, I uh, right out of the gate, literally, I would have gave it probably eight. Uh, but yeah, I think I think a six is fair. So what's our average? Let's let's think about that. So we have three point five, four, six point five, seven. I think I think eight. five point five is right where it's at. Yeah, I think we're yeah. at, right around the five five point five mark as an average. Okay. Moderate job, Stephen. Very, very moderate. Unremarkable. 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 I do not feel unremarkable. It is good. Remember, this was Jesse. He's the one who said it was unremarkable. His address is. Uh, We will be offering, uh, if you pay additional on Patreon, uh, we will (laughs) send uh, virtual hits on uh, Jesse. So, (laughs) (laughs) the nut taps. Alrighty, I think we're gonna walk it out, guys. Uh, let me try to get my credits correct this time. Wait, uh, uh, I think we have a new sponsor this week. Oh shit, who we got? 
So uh, we got a new one this week. Uncle Danny's Apple Brandy. All right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, made in a clandestine copper still in the mountains of North Carolina that even Elliot Ness couldn't find. He'll get your rocks off. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that Uncle Uncle yeah, Rand- Uncle Danny's Apple Brandy? Also uh, packaged and sold in Jim and Nancy's jam jars, I believe. Oh, fantastic! It's Ooh. nice to see that synergy coming up, and, and that's probably where they got the address from. I, so I'm really happy to hear that Jim and Nancy were happy with our service so far. I mean, you know what I like to eat with my brandy? <laughs> Some peanut butter. <laughs> As always. Uh, returning actually from their hiatus, they actually told me that the check got just just was a little clerical error last week. Uh, yeah, we got Slappy's peanut butter, guaranteed to be the thinnest, wateriest peanut butter that you will ever purchase. Um, I did want to throw one more out there. This episode is not sponsored by, but should be by Bubbly Sparkling Water. It's my new friggin' favorite thing in the world. I guess I'm old. Uh, these little cans. It's like 97 cents, isn't it? It's awesome? so cheap, dude. It's so cheap and it's so good. And Lacroche, uh, you can suck Le- my balls. Le- oh my Hell gosh. Hell yeah. Don't make an enemy. Don't you make an enemy. Suck my balls, Lacroche. You can suck my balls with your hints. Go back hints, to France. With your <laughs> Spend some time in the same room as a watermelon. Yeah, yeah. With your hints of your, your hint of an idea of, of strawberry. Uh, <laughs> bubbly is where it's at. Get hey, at me. Hey. It's refreshing. It breaks up your monotonous. Let's say you're on a diet. I know I am. Like you, you want to break mm-hmm. up your pattern. I drink water. I drink coffee. I drink water. I drink coffee. Every once in beer. a while, I, I sneak. Yeah, I drank beer once, John. God damn it. <laughs> and fucking, I, I sneak in a bubbly, and I'm right as rain. And you're guilt-free. Guilt-free since 93. Guilt-free. You want to talk calories? Do you want to talk sodium? Do you want to talk carbohydrates? We're zero, I, zero, zero. I just want to Get talk inspiration. Bubbly. I just want to talk inspiration. It lifts the spirits. Yeah, um, throw me, throw me some inspiration. Bubbly. I fucking hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> we sold out. We he's sold a, out. Sorry, he's, Saul. He's a lacrosse fan. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm a man who drinks whatever the fuck he wants, man. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Thank you for joining us for whatever reason <laughs> for another episode <laughs> of Dice Advice. Uh, we want to do a couple shout outs real quick. First and foremost to our uh, to the musician known as Masked Man for the use of our theme song, Coop underscore 90 uh, from right. the album called uh, Chill Hop Daydreams. We're going to drop a link in the episode description. You can check him out. Uh, also, we have uh, logo art now. We've had it. Uh, we, we've been recording since before we've had this art. The artwork is by an artist named Jessica Williams. Uh, link to her Instagram will be down below. Check her out. She does commissions for characters for very good prices. Um, just a pleasure to work with. Uh, n- nothing but good things to say. Really appreciate your time and effort into the logo. I love it. Um, let's see. Like and subscribe. Tell a friend. Absolutely. We're on iTunes now. We are. We are on iTunes. If you, uh, you can pretty much find us wherever. I mean, you've already found us, but tell your friends if they, uh, if they're on Apple and and uh, you could, they can find us on iTunes now. One of the key things, please like, comment, subscribe. I hate saying it, uh, shilling for ourselves, but any type of review is a great help to a, a young podcast like this. It'll help people see us faster. Um, Share us with sp- your mom, your grandma. 
your aunt, uh, your yeah, we I, I'm all pretty your female sh- relatives. I'm pretty sure we didn't say anything offensive at all in this episode. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. and if we did, we edited it out. <laughs> we edited out at least like ten percent of it. Uh, but yeah, feel free, uh, please. We yeah, we could use the help. And yet, yet another thing, we do need your input. We need questions, comments, quandaries, character builds. If you want to brag on something, homemade items. Don't make us look for them. Bring them to us, baby. This is your show. And if there's something that you want to see coming from the cellar lore, let us know too. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter and Facebook and just about anywhere. Twitter is at lore seller. Uh, Facebook is at seller lore. Uh, oddly enough, thecellarlore.com is our website. You have a, a web player there. If you don't have a podcatcher, you can catch all these episodes. And I think that's about it, guys. Uh, let's walk it out. I'm Jesse. Harry. I'm John. Saul here. And Brad. And until next time, slather yourself in peanut butter. Praise baby Yoda.